Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Good morning, Diana. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. I guess first, can you tell the audience about yourself and what you do? Sure. I am an artist. I specialize in painting landscapes, special memorable places for people um, where their honeymoons might have taken place or those memorable family trips, um, just something that brings them back that um, happy place that brings them back to their true self. Um, I also run a teaching studio, which has gotten a number of awards and do a lot of corporate workshops as well. Did a TED talk on using creativity to fight burnout, which is a really big issue right now. Um, And in the midst of the pandemic, I launched a fashion line based on my artwork. So uh, a couple of different creative endeavors that are keeping me busy. And I have three kids um, and a hubby, and um, it all just sort of flows. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot on your on your plate, but I'm glad that you have found the balance to make it make it flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm super glad that things are set up exactly the way they are because um, at the same time, I can be flexible with my day. But um, in the mornings, I can get into the studio and paint. Then in the afternoons, I could do all of my meetings and computer stuff and then spend some time with the kids uh, when I get them from school. And then after school, that's when my classes typically take place and on Saturday. So it all just balances itself out and gives me plenty of time to be creative as well as pass on my knowledge and wisdom and inspiration to kids and adults. And um, yeah. So, yeah. How long have you been doing art? Like, is this like your whole life you've been doing art? Um, it is and it isn't. I always was a creative kid. And when I was five, I decided that I would be a fashion designer. So I would do these crazy models on paper napkins. My grandpa would critique them. And then at the age of 13, we actually moved from where I was born, which is Moldova, a tiny country next to Ukraine, um, to New Jersey. And I sort of let it go. Um, And then when it was time to apply to colleges, my mom was trying to find something and she didn't really know how to get into fashion design. So she met an artist. The artist um, told her that I really need to know how to do everything. So I started taking classes and learned about portraits and still life and landscapes and all kinds of stuff. And then when it was time to apply to colleges and my dream was to get into FIT, which is Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, they looked at my portfolio, looked at me and they asked me one question, which was, do you know how to sew? And I said, no. They said, well, what are you doing here? (laughs) And uh, then I applied to a bunch of art schools and I got in with a scholarship and that sort of um, started the art journey. Um, I was then when I graduated, really afraid of the stigma of the starving artist. So I actually left any sort of art making for about 10 years and worked in corporate. Then I managed galleries, but didn't actually do anything creative myself. Um, And after about 10 years, after crazy burnout and toxic work relationships, um, it hit me that something really huge is missing from my life. And that brought me back to painting. And I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, kind of a windy, winding path. I mean, a lot, most, I would say a lot of people have winding paths, you know, kind of thing, but I love that it like brought you full circle. Like, you know, like 
you you wanted to be a fashion uh do fashion and now you actually have a line you know kind of thing and yeah and that brought you back to art how would you say art has helped your mental health oh my goodness so when I was struggling in terms of whether I should stay in this very lucrative position that I was in. I was a VP of a national art gallery chain um, or leave into the unknown. I was stressed out and depressed, couldn't sleep at nights, extremely resentful um, and just really strung out. And I started going into the studio, you know, little by little And at some point, my husband noticed that something changes when I come back. So every time that he would notice me starting to get irritated, starting to get kind of spun out and um, out of control, he would say, you know, I think it's time to go to the studio. (laughs) Um, And he would actually send me because he knew how much more calm and happy and grounded I would be when I get back and after working with people of all ages for a dozen uh, or so years I'm also seeing that effect Uh, and there are studies about how creativity lowers our cortisol levels by incredible amounts even just 20 minutes of doing something creative Um, and and I definitely I saw that firsthand with myself and I'm now witnessing that in so many individuals Um, something really switches in your brain when you use that other side of the brain that you typically don't access and then it gives that other side a chance to rest. And as a result, you're a much more balanced and productive and joyful person. Mm-hmm. So I know you work with in cor- corporate, you do uh, workshops with uh, cor- corporate. Uh, is like the main goal to help people with like burnout or is there other goals that you, uh, you're you know, trying to help people with? The reason why I named it um, Creativity for Burnout is because I've seen that as a huge outcome for myself um, and other people, but also because it's such a huge issue at the moment uh, with people not really having boundaries between work and home. And on one hand, Zoom is amazing, right? But on the other hand, you don't quite know when you turned off and um, do life, right? Um, And, but really what I'm trying to get to when I work with people who, by the way, the very first thing that they say to me when they come in is, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I don't know why I'm here and why I signed up for this. This is just gonna be atrocious, whatever I end up creating. And the very first thing that I say to them is imagine that you're four years old again and you just learned how to make basic shapes. And we start from there. And what I am aiming for is what happens about 20 minutes into the workshops. And that is everybody all of a sudden becoming a lot more animated and talkative. Uh, There's color in their faces and they look like those little kids that have just learned something exciting and they're experimenting and they're accessing that inner child that they probably have not been in touch with for years and years. And when you do that, I believe when you get in touch with your inner child, it is such a huge release. Um, and such an amazing way to truly find your why and purpose and find the real you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> how how do your workshops run? Like, uh, what's the process? What I um, talked about in my um, TEDx talk was. Um, 
kind of a proprietary method that I had developed where I start by, and it's, and I dubbed it with an acronym, SPARK. We start out with presencing techniques with kind of staying present, which is the letter S. And we go through a bit of a meditation and visualization process. Then my goal is to, my biggest pet peeve are paint nights where, you know, you're told that you need to make a line from point A to point B and then connect the two and, and everything at the end looks exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I ex- I explain the principles of composition, uh, which is the letter P, kind of paying attention to all four corners of the page, paying attention to how your eye moves around and the fact that we want things to be dynamic and not kind of stuck in the center. Um, Then the main ingredient is letter A, which is allowing ourselves to play. So I usually set up, it's either a still life or we're outdoors when it's nice out and we really pay attention and look at what's in front of us. And everyone's understanding and perception of the world is so different that it is just amazing to to watch. Um, A couple of the workshops that I had this past spring, I actually sent people out uh, with their phones for a short walk and just asked them to take pictures of just whatever catches their eye. And then they came back and they all had completely different compositions and things that spoke to them. so the idea is to introduce techniques with with watercolor. We talk about kind of three main techniques for watercolor. With oil pastels, we talk about six different fun techniques that anyone can learn with oil pastels. Um, and then what's really fascinating is that when they release the end result, which is the letter R, and they get super, super kind of uber focused on what they're doing about 40 minutes into the workshop. I can tell that everyone is in flow and they're, they get what the principles are, what the techniques are, and they're just in the zone um, and they're loving it and they're getting somewhere with their individual works. And the last piece is being kind to ourselves. So I usually end with a critique where we go around and everyone shares what the most enjoyable part was in the process, what the most challenging part was in the process. And of course, at that point, self-judgment kicks in because, you know, the neighbor might have something prettier or uh, you think that you're an imposter because you tried something that is so out of your comfort zone. But I think in the long run, Aside from battling burnout, aside from giving your other side of the brain a rest, it it gives you these aha moments about, because everything that we do in this exercise is kind of a mirror of what you might be dealing with in real life. So if somebody is stuck in the center and I kind of tell them that towards the end, it's usually a reflection of what they're struggling with in real life. So they might actually be constantly focusing on little things and not able to see the forest for the trees right Mm -hmm. um or um getting um focused on the big picture and not really paying attention to the details and just being you know super fast and just there leave me alone you know i'm done Mm -hmm. um so it's really amazing to have these reflections in the end and just have people who really have not done art since elementary school see what it does. Um, and what I really believe is that it makes them a lot more productive in their own fields in the long run because they were able to take that time for themselves to kind of go deep and reflect which we don't tend to do, right? It's hustle, 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 run, run, run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of like kind of the hustle, hustle, run, run, run thing. um, What, what kind of did you find came out of like the pandemic? Cause like in some ways it made people like people kind of have to stop, but like, obviously like things are very, they're still very much the same in a lot of ways. So I guess like what 
what differences have you, did you notice like during the pandemic and since the pandemic? During the pandemic, I really saw a lot of people become a lot more reflective, uh, reassessing their priorities, um, seeing what makes them tick and attempting to find time to do that, having some major shifts in terms of why am I doing the work I'm doing? What else can I be doing that fulfills me? However, as soon as the pandemic was over, it was almost like everybody's trying to make up for lost time. And we're even more overbooked and overextended. And like I mentioned before, I really feel like with this hybrid world, we don't, we forgot how to set boundaries. Um, and, and that, and people are a lot more burnt out than they used to be, because at least before the pandemic, you get in the car or you get on the train and you have that time to transition into work and then transition out of work. Whereas now you quickly change your shirt, you put on makeup, you sit in front of the computer, right? And then you do the same thing at the end of the day. And maybe there's an email coming through and, and everything is just on our devices. So you can't quite turn it off unless you make a conscious effort to do that, which I think very few people do. They might have a day, you know, a mental health day, or they might take off and do, um, what are those called? Kind of device-free weekends or device-free weeks. But for the most part, just like with any detoxes, you get right back to where you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like a, a lasting thing. It's like, oh yeah, that was, that was a nice break. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, don't get me wrong. I think those breaks are better than nothing, right? They're, they're better than not taking the break. And it's amazing to at least recognize that it was essential to take that break. But if there was a way to readjust our patterns and habits to even put something in that's as short as 10 minutes a day that would get you out of that run, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle mode, that in itself would be a, such a huge change in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a mother of three, you said, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you find that balance, that ability to have this time in your day to do the, the things that like, will you know, to do your art and uh, like other things to like create balance in your life. And, and I guess like to follow that up, what advice would you give to other people to find that same balance? For me, I think being an entrepreneur and having that flexible schedule is key because I I remember myself in a nine to five job and how I was sitting in a sandbox next to my four-year-old and still on my Blackberry following up with emails, right? Um, and, and then I wasn't there during the week to really kind of be with them and, and check in with them. Whereas now I can really plan my day so that when they're in school, I can be doing all the needle moving actions as well as do my painting and um, kind of stay on track with everything. And then when they're out of school, I actually make a point to every single week with every one of them, we have um, we have a date. Um, and that's when we just get together one-on-one, go for hot chocolate. And they, and I really do my best. Doesn't happen every single time because it's just tough uh, to stay present and really listen to what's going on in their lives and what's on their mind and not try to preach and not be judgmental about it. Um, And then um, in the evenings, we are very adamant about family dinner time. Um, and then since the pandemic days, we've gotten into the habit of um, every night's a movie night. 
So we've gone through so many different family series and movies, and um, we just try to find something that everybody would enjoy. And um, that's kind of keeping it all as a in balance. And then Sunday is our Saturdays. I usually work because that's the busiest day in terms of classes. Um, but Sunday is our family day. And I really try to stick to that. And we would go on little day trips or hikes um, or brunch, um, just something as a, as a family unit. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I like that there's like a lot of different like little pieces that are part of the the puzzle of like how you stay grounded with your family. How old are your kids, by the way? My oldest is graduating middle school in about two weeks. Um, he's 14 and a half, um, then a 10 year old and um, and nine year old. Okay. That's, it's good that like their, their ages are like close enough together that you probably could still find things that like everyone can enjoy and everything. So, yeah. It's it's challenging, yes, definitely, <laughs> yeah, because uh, two boys and a girl, uh, and the girl is very girly, uh, <laughs> and the boys are not at all, um, yeah. and um, some of them, we got into the hiking habit during the pandemic, because you had to do a lot of things outdoors, uh, yeah. but I can't say that they're all fond of it, so it's, it's always a... Uh, it's always a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For your own creativity, I, you know, people talk about like, you know, having blocks. Um, do you ever experience that? And if, you know, if so, how do you get over having a, a block? They're part of the process. And there are days when I get into the studio and things are just not happening. And I try to be very compassionate with myself and I would give it a go for some time and see if I could kind of get out of that state because a lot of times it's when you're in that really tense state that you really need that release and it just needs to be slow and methodical, just kind of taking it easy, but still, you know, keep going with it. Uh, but then at the same time, if I'm really seeing that things are not shifting um, and are not moving along, then I tell myself that it's absolutely okay to walk away and come back the next day. Um, as long as I, I think the most important thing, and that's what we're going with, through with my little one, is to try um, to really give it a good try and know that you gave it your best, but it's okay if it's not working. I think a lot of those times though, when I do give it a try, I'm noticing that those are typically the most powerful days because when you have that block, it truly means that something's clogged and through this creative process, it has a way of transitioning and, and moving through your body, moving through, you know, out of your head um, so that it's not a burden anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess like just the act of just showing up is like, half of the battle right <laughs> yeah, huge I mean there, yeah there there are days when I know that I'm making excuses to not get into the studio mm -hmm. and I'm really trying to catch myself when that happens and really stick to the schedule I think that's the that's the main thing is creating that schedule and almost like brushing your teeth. You just, you just go, right. It's, it's just part of the, and I, and I love the book Atomic Habits, um, which I read a few years ago, because what it really stresses is the fact that those changes don't have to be drastic. As long as you put something in next to what you would do on an ordinary day anyway, it then just becomes part of your routine and you can teach yourself some of those good habits with time. 
do you ever like with the corporate uh work do you ever like get feet like find out what happens to people like down the line like do you get feedback from someone like months later that's like oh my goodness this has like changed my life you know kind of thing I just wonder if like there is like a, a follow-up um usually with uh what happens with I keep yeah I definitely keep in touch with um with some people um that have attended the workshops and kind of touch base and um and there are changes for sure. Um, what, what's really fascinating is that I get a lot of repeat clients, which I think says a lot because they're, they've recognized that even though they might not be able to put it into words, but that this experience, um, kind of this immersive experience does something for them and they want a repeat. And, um, so right now, for instance, I'm, you know, I was recruiting for um, signups for next school year, and um, there's an 80%, at least 80% return rate um, with students. So they can see how powerful it is to have a creative practice on the weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with... Um, with corporate contracts. I was contracted with Google for five years um, until the pandemic kind of and everything. But, and some of the same people would come back time and time again and form wait lists um, because they could see how productive it is to be doing something like this. So, for all of all of these, uh, was it were they all like weekly weekly workshops then? No, for corporate, um, in my studio um, where I teach, I do weekly classes for mm-hmm. kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Um, for corporate, it would be once every couple of months. Okay. Um, and because it's just tough to get people in on a weekly basis, yeah. Sure, people are very busy. <laughs> So like kind of quarter quarterly. Yeah. 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 What kind of like long-term effects have you seen with people that would come back over and over? I see a lot more calm and balance. Um, a lot more confidence and kind of that heightened sense of self-worth because they dared to go out of their comfort zone and they succeeded. And I think that is really the main element of raising our self-worth is that, you know, you try something and even though it's scary, even though it makes you very, very uncomfortable, you do it anyway. And as a result, you grow. Um, and I think that's why people keep coming back because every single workshop makes them grow just a bit more. Um, and just yesterday I was finishing up a class and um, we were meeting outside. It was a beautiful day. And I got there a little late because of uh, parking situations and they couldn't start without me. Um, and as soon as, as soon as we all get together, um, the process kind of began. And then I realized that I need to change my parking spot because I wasn't parked legally. So I said, all right, um, I'm going to do a a quick circle. I'm going to give you 20 minutes. Um, here's your assignment. Know that I'll be back and I'm going to check on it. And it took me a little longer, but when I got back in a half hour, because they had that, well, A, they had the assignment and B, they had the time limitation. They were so in the zone and so focused that this drawing was just absolutely incredible. So I I think it really helps to have a guide and someone who believes in you and in the fact that um, you're able to do a lot better that kind of gets you to that next level. Um, And it was just 
it was just an incredible experience to see that, hey, you know, this person was with me for a mere couple of months and the progress is just absolutely astounding just because of that belief in herself. I always like to ask my guests, how do you define fun? Fun is feeling like you're a little kid again and there are no constraints and you can dance with abandon, you can uh, be silly, you can get back to what you really loved doing as a kid without judging yourself and just kind of dissolve into it. Looking at the world with an open heart and an open mind, without attachments, without expectations, without negative self-talk, that's how you get to fun. Yeah. I also always ask my my uh, guests what their play personality is. And obviously, um, one of them is the creative, the artist. So obviously, that would be you. But you, I feel like you can be more than one. I consider myself to be like three. So I'm just curious if any of uh, the other ones resonate with you. So there's eight of them. So our artists, obviously. Uh, Joker. Uh, kinesthetic, competitor, storyteller, director, collector, and explorer. I am definitely an explorer. Travel, I, I live for travel and finding new places, finding nooks. I love to get lost in cities and just kind of roam around. Um, and a storyteller. I love to tell stories. And um, I think we all learn the most through stories, through personal stories, vulnerable stories. And it was on that TEDx stage that I recognized how much of a thrill it is to be authentic and to be vulnerable and have people respond to that. And that is what got me into signing up for all these podcasts and wanting to share my story, wanting to share my point of view about the world and what we're going through and kind of our shared humane aspects. Um, and um, I think the more real and heart-centered you are, the more people relate. And we're all so similar. So, so similar. Regardless yeah. of what part of the world we all come from. Yeah. I think when we recognize our shared humanity, um, it is really powerful to like recognize that, you know, someone on the other side of the world is like has the same needs and wants and, you know, same the same things bring them joy and you know like like we're not that different yeah so, yeah earlier you had talked about like that you paint people's happy places what's your happy place my happy place is my studio um and I actually um this is going to be a big spoiler but I wrote a novel a few years ago um, that I titled Searching for a Place to Call Home because as an immigrant, there's always that nostalgia for a place that could have been home but no longer is. And you're trying to find that new place that would be your happy place, right? That would be your home. And I recognized that I am happiest painting. And that is my happy place. So it's not necessarily a geographical place. It's um, knowing that I have this practice that is like home. 
So I can, you know, I can take my watercolors anywhere in the world and just sit and watch people go by and feel like I'm home because I can reflect on what I'm seeing. I can translate that um, and have others see it too. And that's what really makes me tick. As a traveler, I always love to hear about what has been your favorite place to, that you've traveled. My favorite country is Italy because I think because of the people, they're just um, so welcoming and open and they appreciate living and enjoying life. I've been, um, as a little girl up until college years, I really wanted to, to go to France. And finally, and I was studying French for years and years, and I ended up doing a semester in Paris. And it was the most lonely experience because the French are not very welcoming. <laughs> um, even though I spoke French and I really tried my hardest, but it's just not a very open culture. Um, and then a year later, by pure accident, I recognized that my college actually has an outpost in Rome and everyone who is an artist or an architect is encouraged to go. And I joined the semester not really expecting much and it was the complete opposite. It was just such an incredible experience that was eye-opening and um, exposed me to so many layers of history and culture and just how different people can be. Um, so I welcome any opportunity to go to Italy, um, any parts of Italy. Um, but we have traveled the world quite extensively. So um, there are lots of amazing places out there. Yeah, there are. Uh, how many times have you been to Italy? Gosh, I don't even know. Um, my semester abroad was in Rome and I traveled while I was there. I was in Rome before then when I was in Paris. And then I probably go... Um, I was part of the Venice Biennale last year, which made me go to Venice at least six times um, to prep, to go for the opening, to go for the closing. Um, and that was just amazing. And this year, like in a couple of weeks, we're going to the very boot of Italy, uh, to Puglia. Uh, we went to Sicily a few years ago. So we're really trying to kind of make our way around the whole country. Um, we did skiing. Um in the Dolomites, which is up um, um, up north, and at least a dozen or more. <laughs> what would be your dream vacation? Dream vacation would be to actually live and work somewhere where I could somewhere in Europe so that I could easily take off and go to London for the weekend and um, go to kind of the Nordic countries another weekend and just kind of keep exploring and learning and um, so be a lot more central for a lengthy amount of time because I think when we're in the States it's it seems like it's so far away um, and so few people actually get on the plane and trek, you know, across, um, across the ocean. So it'd be amazing to be closer to it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we, we're definitely kind of isolated here. And I, I have, I have lived abroad. I lived in uh, South Korea and I lived in Ecuador and, you know, did some traveling. And when I tell people that, Everyone's always like, oh, like for me, because I knew other people who had lived abroad, you know, kind of thing. I just like, like thought that people travel, you know, to other countries. 
but like I like so many like so many people I know are like have never done anything other than maybe maybe Mexico (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. um yeah or or would never even leave the the state that they're living in um Mm -hmm. which is yeah huge yeah what is something that's making you happy this week something that's making me happy is my daughter's birthday it's coming up on sunday um and the fact that it's gotten really warm and could spend a lot of times outdoors what really made me happy yesterday was going to a rose garden and just smelling all the roses it um I don't know something about the fact that flowers bloom and a lot of times it's for such a short little while um that it makes me appreciate it that much more yeah I um I really love the smell of lilacs yes Mm -hmm. and it's so short like I'm always just like like I get so excited like it's lilac season and then it's like done and you're just like sorry god (laughs) yeah lilacs are actually my favorite flower so we have to do trips to see lilacs I always make sure that I have lilacs in the house when uh, when it's the season something about childhood memories and yeah yeah they're so nice are you uh, are you more of a beach person or a mountain person Oof. um mountain person I cannot do I, I I really have a hard time with people who just do a beach vacation and we were just talking about that with my husband because the kids um so for my oldest 13th birthday we were initially going to go to Israel but because of the pandemic things just kept getting um extended and then just never happened and we decided to go to the Galapagos Islands instead which would which was kind of like a trip of a lifetime for him um and then we get back and my little one never remembers anything just nothing and we ask her so what was the most memorable thing in Galapagos Islands and and she goes oh it was, um, it was San Cristobal, just the first island that we went to. And we're like, wow, this is impressive. How did you remember that? What did you like? She's like, you know, it had the biggest pool. And <laughs> the two of us, my husband and I go, oh my God, we had to go all the way to the Galapagos Islands for you to appreciate the pool, really. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we were talking about how maybe we should do something over Christmas that would just be a beach vacation, you know, all-inclusive do beach 24 seven, but it's just so boring. I, yeah, I I can't, uh, whereas with the mountains and I'm not a hiker hiker per se, like I don't love super lengthy hikes. I don't love camping. Uh, but it's just that sense of the changing landscape and, the fact that because of that changing landscapes, the smells are different, the animals or birds are different, um, the wind is different. Um, there's something about that that's so incredible. What's your favorite season? Ooh, well, we live in Massachusetts. And I love foliage, just absolutely adore things changing. I love spring, hate summer, but fall, fall is my favorite season. I remember my, my grandparent, my grandma, she like, she, she was, you know, married to a man in uh, the military. So they lived all over when my mom was a kid. And they lived in Hawaii for five years. And my grandma, you know, they all loved Hawaii. But my grandma was just like, oh, I missed Boston because you have all four seasons, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like truly all four seasons. And so like the change, the change she loved, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I would love to 
see some place that has all four seasons. Our our seasons are kind of muddled together into like summer hot and like sunny and like winter rainy and cold and cool and gray, very gray. It's like gray or not gray. That's mostly what we have here in Seattle area. So I want to see like, like really, like really great fall leaves and things like that sometime. Yeah, you should come visit. Um, and yeah, I think, I think there's something powerful to the change of seasons because you also see changes in yourself. And um, when spring comes, it's that kind of time of rejuvenation and rebirth and, and, and I, and I feel that. Um, and when fall comes, it's time to let go of certain things and just kind of relinquish control and um, let things be. And there's beauty in that as well. Um, and winter is kind of that very reflective period. And summer is just fun, fun in the sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you could retire tomorrow, what would you do? If I could retire, I would travel the world and paint and talk about it. Different places, uh, impressions, painting those different places. Um, that's that's really the goal. Well, let's do some uh, word association. What do you think of when you think of trees? Life. Happy. Relaxed. Music. Soul. Cooking. Love. Fire. Cozy. Home. Purpose. Animals. Psychology. Flight. different types of flights um so flight as in airplane flight um freedom flight as in flight of imagination i guess also freedom space breathe the ocean menacing All right. Are you a cat or a dog person? Neither. <laughs> we have geckos. Geckos. Mm -hmm. Oh. I my experience with geckos is mostly like going to like Hawaii and like they would just be like on the wall everywhere <laughs> and things like that. And I just feel like, oh, that's so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> what makes you feel special? experiences um shared experiences um just seeing something incredible for the first time with people that i love when's the last time you laughed so hard that it hurt hmm. during um, every summer we get together with our closest family and friends um, and we do a European trip. And it's during those trips when we just, there are situations where someone cracks a joke and, and you can't, you can't stop laughing. What makes you feel awe? Being in nature, big, 
kind of expansive places um, where there's lots of space and you really feel like you're a tiny little speck in this universe. All right, last three questions, let's say. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Ice cream flavors. All right. Um, I love anything with nuts and I also love salted caramel. So if there was something that had salted caramel and pistachios or walnuts or that would be perfect. Have not found that yet. I'm, su I'm surprised that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't seem like that, that outlandish to have those things together. Yeah. I mean, like you have things like, you know, uh, it's a candy bar with like caramel and uh, nuts, um, like Snickers. Yeah. So like, it doesn't seem like, like some, like an ice cream that is like, has like those things together is outlandish. So yeah, it's just funny. What's your favorite spice? Spice, um, curry. Like in Indian food. Yeah, like Indian. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I like the the warm, the warm spices. Where do you see yourself in five years? I'm aiming for a big museum show. I'm also aiming to be in front of big audiences, whether it's through TV or conferences and talks or podcasts. Um, I really want that message of healing from with creativity or where kind of art meets soul to be widespread and that's what I see myself doing in five years I appreciate your your message like what you're trying to you know share with the world um and yeah thank you so much for being on thank you thank you for yeah. having me this was a lot of fun very diverse <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that yeah you're welcome uh where can the audience find you the easiest way to get to me um, would be through my umbrella website, which is dianastellen.com. Um, so just my name um, spelled out. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and have good rest of your day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. You as well. Thank you.